<laughs> That's not the cold open. <laughs> oh man. Woo. I'm starting out strong today. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special new release episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. And I'm Jesse. We're coming at you with some tired dad energy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Last night in, in my house, we didn't get much sleep. Hmm. Last night at work, I didn't get any sleep. And that's weird for my work. <laughs> <laughs> Last night in Phoenix, I watched Last Night in Soho. Oh, Whoa, what? That's wild. <laughs> I know. That's because, of course, this week, that, because we've been hyping this all month, all month that we were doing last night in Soho. Um, and we've all been excited for a long time. This was supposed to come out last year. Uh, now it's finally coming to us in theaters from our boy Edgar Wright. Um, and that's really why we're doing this movie. We're closing out our spooky month of October. Uh, this is a spooky new release from a director, a creator that we really love. In fact, we've covered him twice on this show, which I think is mm-hmm. a first. Um, he's, he's just one of our favorite guys and a new movie by him is always, always welcome. Um, and that's kind of why we're doing this. That's kind of why we're all here. Uh, anything to add? No, I don't think uh, so. It, it seemed like the best of the thriller horror slash horror movies that were out. Like we could have done Halloween kills, Ugh. but we decided this, that we'd prefer to do this. One. <laughs> I saw that one and I'm really glad we're not doing that one. <laughs> Did you uh, like I, Halloween kills Vito? Oh, no, it's really bad. Uh, my wife uh, <laughs> gave a really great review because we watched it together. She said, Halloween kills, too many kills. And I really agree with that. That was, <laughs> that movie has nothing in it. Uh, nothing to offer anybody. Um, but we're not right. doing that one. <laughs> we're doing yeah, this Yeah, we're not doing this <laughs> one. Yeah. Well, we're, we also just did that one. So that's great. We're doing two movies, two for the price of one today. Halloween kills, <laughs> too many kills. Last night in Soho, the rest of the show. <laughs> as is appropriate but uh before we jump into our first impressions we'll just do some quick cast and crew here this is a a new movie by written and directed produced by edgar wright who shares a screenwriting credit with uh kirsty hang on sorry oh there it is by christy wilson carnes um based on edgar wright's original story carnes herself is known for writing for penny dreadful under john logan John Logan is kind of a, a screenwriting legend. He's done uh, three different Bond movies. He's done Rango. He did um, Gladiator. He wrote Any Given Sunday uh, and uh, Alien Covenant. He's been around a long time. He's a very talented guy. Um, so talented, though, that he kind of showed uh, Christy Wilson Carnes' stuff to Sam Mendes, who was working as a producer on Penny Dreadful. And then she collaborated with Sam Mendes on 1917, um, the huge, huge World War I movie that came out mm-hmm. a couple years ago. And it's because of that that she finds her way to Edgar Wright. And this is the first, I believe, the first time that Edgar Wright has collaborated uh, with a woman on one of his movies. Um, it stars Thomason McKenzie, who you might know from Jojo Rabbit and Leave No Trace. Anya Taylor-Joy from The Witch, Queen's Gambit, Split. Uh, and, Emma. And, and Emma. And Emma. That's and right. Emma. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's Come right. on. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. It's a favorite. <laughs> it is a favorite. Yeah, it was quite high in our in our... Uh, year oh, and, list last year and the new mutants no 
That makes me so sad every time I remember that. <laughs> it's that's somebody's favorite out there, right? Someone's I don't. Like, I don't that think new anybody's. Mutants, that's my favorite. I don't think I, anybody. I'm cares. sure there's someone. Someone. If they do care, it's because she's in it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Which is probably yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to say I care about that, but I like that she was on the screen sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but she's she's really wonderful. I'm I'm happy to see especially these two, Thomason and uh, and Anya together. Um, they both seem to be pretty rising stars. And also, just like this year, Thomason McKenzie's having a really great year. She's in Last Night in Soho. She's in uh, next month's Power of the Dog, and also previously in Old. So this is a kind mm-hmm. of a big year for her. Mm-hmm. Um, very big. She's, yeah. she's good. She's really good. She's really really mm-hmm. good. And then uh, Anya. I mean, Anya's going to be around for a long time. We like Anya. Um, but moving on, it also stars Matt Smith as the Doctor, and then upcoming um, Sir's most anticipated movie, the Jared Leto starring uh, Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be interesting. Could be okay. I mean, no, I, I <laughs> like I, I. That's the tagline. That's what's on all the posters. Morbius could be okay. <laughs> Sir is probably the only person I know who's really excited about this other Spider-Verse kind of movie. And listen, let um, me tell you, I don't know that he's excited, but I know it stars Jared Leto. And as far as uh, I know, that's all that, that he needs all to get takes. on board. <laughs> um, but also, Mike, uh, you do you know him from The Crown? I, yeah, I see you put he, in the Google Doc. Yeah. yeah. He's, I mean, he's uh, Prince Prince Philip in The Crown, and he's, he's fantastic in that role. It's, I mean, I... I uh, I love the first couple seasons of the show. Um, yeah, he he's amazing. Like he's mm-hmm. he's villainous, but also <laughs> lovable. I don't know. It's it, what they do, like what they do with that show with these characters is something very difficult. I think to yeah. do in general. Yeah, yeah, he does really well. Yeah, um, he's a great also job. him playing kind of like the creepy guy because they they do kind of make. <laughs> Prince Philip seemed kind of creepy in the show. Oh, yeah. Transitioning to this, it's just like, ah, I know yeah. who this guy is. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, wait, am I hearing this correctly, that both of you have watched The Crown? Yeah. I've seen, At like, least... most of season one and two. Oh, okay. I, just, I, I haven't you... seen any of it. No. Yeah. That's worth no, seeing. I mean, right, the writing is very good. Um, I just got too depressed at a certain point. Like, I couldn't keep watching it after... After, like in season three, it was just, it made me feel very bad. Yeah. Um, wow. yeah. Also, remember when all the people in London were dying because the air quality was so terrible? <laughs> yeah. I had no idea that happened. Like, I was learning stuff like, holy shit. Yeah. Can't believe these are real events. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's a cool show. I was just shocked. I was just shocked to hear that. I, I didn't know that the other two dad fathers were watching <laughs> The Crown. <laughs> like... <laughs> Amazing. Okay. I, I, I keep hearing from everyone. I know my sister-in-law is going to hit me up on Twitter as soon as she hears this episode and be like, I've been telling you for years to watch that show. And I'm so yeah. sorry. I still have not. <laughs> yeah, okay. Weird. Sorry. Weird digression. Uh, back onto yeah. it though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this movie also stars Diana Rigg and is dedicated to her. She, uh, as Edgar Wright said, they worked up until the very final days of her life um, to get this done. And you might recognize her from being in, well, she's in the the, uh, the Detectorists, which is a fun show. Um, mm-hmm. I think, Jesse, you've mentioned The Detectorists, right? Love The Detectorists. Yeah, it's fantastic. If you want a relaxing show, watch that. 
And if you don't want a relaxing show, she's also in Game of Thrones as mm. Elena Tyrell. So, <laughs> and she's actually, if I remember right, she was like the best person in those seasons. The, like the two seasons she was on. I was like, this this old lady rules. She's the best. <laughs> but yeah, she's had a really, really long career. Been working ever since the uh, the late 50s. Her first credit is on a TV movie of a Midsummer's Night Dream um, in a bit part in 1959. Um, very sad that she's gone. Who also starred in this movie, who also passed away very recently, is Margaret Nolan, who died in 2020 of cancer. She played the barmaid. Mm, um, okay. But there's a lot That's of people that, that are in here that are huge um, British favorites. I mean, we got um, Rita Touchingham, uh, who's also in Dr. Zhivago. Uh, she's nominated for a few BAFTAs. She's had a long, long career. Um, but I'm very unfamiliar with most of her work. I see she has a yes, credit here yeah. in The Stepford Wives. Uh, but we also have, um, let's see, where's my doc? Oh, and Terrence Stamp. Mike, you have him down as, as an old British actor, but Terrence Stamp now. Now, Terrence Stamp, Academy Award nominated Terrence Stamp uh, is, is <laughs> old amazing. British, old time British actor, yeah. He's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, He's also I, General Zod in Superman. Do you guys not yeah. remember the original Superman? No, I, mm -hmm. yeah. It's just yeah, like, he's also, I, I, he's, I, I, he's in I the just... limey. <laughs> Did you guys not see the limey? The limey I, rules. I, I haven't seen the no. limey. No, never seen. That's the like, limey. should we see the limey? You should see the limey. It's like, okay. it, well, it's a Steven Soderbergh movie, but he's like, what? He came up with the idea of Taken before Taken did Taken, but he makes a Very Steven cool. Soderbergh movie starring uh, Terrence Stamp as an old man who's coming back to figure out what happened to his daughter. It's so cool. Ooh. That sounds uh, great. But I mean, he's also in in Wanted. Uh, he's in he's in Valkyrie. Mm. Do you remember him as the bad guy in Get Smart? <laughs> Do you remember no? that? Yeah, I do. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Dun, like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. yeah. That's all he does. <laughs> yeah. And then like says lines, but very deadpan. Like I, even when I was like 14 watching that movie, I was like, wow, this is not an awake person. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't all on board for it, but Steve no. Carell was. So I still enjoy yeah. that movie. I did too. It, it made me laugh really hard. Like when he's a uh, when he's in the the airplane bathroom, when he, <laughs> and the little dart keeps shooting out, and he's like trying to get out. <laughs> this really drove me. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe someday we'll do that um, when we run out of everything else to do. <laughs> the spy movie. Yeah, we'll get smart in there. Well, we've got we've got three Spy Kids movies to do before we get to get smart in the Spy series. So I don't know. Four, are four. there four Spy Kids movies? That's <laughs> yes, so stupid. That's it was ridiculous. rebooted recently. Yeah. That's horrible. That's I horrible. Know. Spy um, Kids, yeah. Spy Harder. Spy oh, Ooh, I don't like no, that. No, thank you. No, thank <laughs> you. I will not. But uh, Spy that, Kids, two Spy Kids. Two, two spy, spy kids, two kids, spy kids. Spy That's kids. better. That's better. Um, two spy, two furious, two kids. Uh, so that's all I have for cast and crew. This is done with um, Edgar Wright's usual producing partners. We've covered them in a previous episode, Baby Driver. Um, yeah, he likes to work with his with his family, you know, and and he carts them everywhere he goes. And that's probably why he gets to make these uh, these original movies. He has strong backers who argue well for him. Um, but going into first impressions, uh, Mike, uh, what what is your first impression of Last Night in Soho? Yeah, so we just saw it a couple nights ago. Uh, oh, sorry, what, went, what, Jesse? And rating. First oh, impressions okay. and rating. Oh, yeah. and rating. Ooh, yeah. Right, and rating. Damn. I kind of feel like this conversation is going to help me define my rating. But so, Vito and I went to see this a couple nights ago in the theaters, uh, which was very fun. It was a great movie to see in theaters. We went to the theater that's close by 
to us that was the most comfortable theater. We've been to three different theaters in the last three weeks. It's been great. Um, (laughs) And uh, of the three, you know, I remember I grew up in the area. And so I remember this theater as being the crappiest theater in the in in the state like you know you the theaters when you walk in like you start sticking to the ground uh, before you open the door like that's <laughs> kind of what it was the most uncomfortable seats but they updated it they put in these these seats that just go back it's amazing mm-hmm. it's incredible it's a great place to be it's a great place to watch movies um so we sat there through the same reel of of uh of trailers that um, we'd seen the last two movies we'd been to. Three weeks in a row, same half-hour <laughs> trailers. <laughs> I think there was something new this time, though. But, Wait, uh, I don't what, what were the other ones that you guys Belfast. saw? Belfast was new this time. They oh, added Belfast this was new. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, like, at this point, I've kind of yeah. glazed over what they are. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't. It's Eternals. Eternals is one. Shows yeah. up a lot. Uh, oh, no, but what were the, the, movies, story? What were the other movies pizza. that you guys saw? Oh, oh. Uh, uh, Dune and No Time to Die. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 But now I've seen but, Licorice Pizza three times in the big theater, and that's made me really happy. <laughs> yeah. It makes me happy every time I see the, the ad for it. I can't wait for that to come out. But um, but so, you know, we settled in, uh, and there was hardly anyone else in the theater. Um, there were like three other people, so that's kind yeah. of unfortunate, I think. But I, man, it was just, it was very enjoyable. It this is a, in a certain way, it's a more like, it's like a serious, I, I don't know if it's a serious movie. Like it's not, I don't know. It's not uh, like, it's not like an Ingrid Berg, Bergman movie or something like that, but it's a serious movie in that like, like it's, it's interesting and the writing is wild and no time to die doom. Like they're, they're serious movies in their own way, mm-hmm. but they're more about the spectacle than they are about the story. And this is as much about the spectacle as it is about the story and about like the character development and all of that. So it was really fun to go in and, and see this. Um, and uh, it was, you know, a little scary, which was also fun. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my first impression of it, I guess. And I'd say my initial rating, it's probably four stars, probably four stars, but I Very feel nice. like this conversation is going to impact that rating a good deal. Interesting. Yeah. Jesse, what about you? Where did you yeah. go to see it? So we had actually bought tickets at this theater that was downtown. I didn't realize my, my wife had bought tickets for this particular theater. So we got there. I was just like, no, wait, I Jesse, know this sorry. theater. I'm what? sorry. Did you get tickets for downtown? <laughs> I did. Downtown, downtown Phoenix, which you would think would have great theaters, but I've been to this theater. And it's not good. The seats are really uncomfortable. Uh. And it's oh, just did you like, see the green night there? I did. That was I was literally like, I'm not coming back to this one. I can't do this. So like so like I we got there, I'm like, no. Cancel those tickets, get a refund, pick one two hours from now and that has comfortable seats and we can go get a drink and like bring it in and be really nice. You know, with a giant recliner where you can basically lay down. That's my yeah. that, is the best. And it's, it was uh-huh. only a few bucks more expensive. So it's like, if we're already out anyway, let's just do that. Nice. Um, so yeah, that is how I make decisions on where to go to a theater from now on. Like I will go out of my way to make sure I get the comfortable seats. How much uh-huh. is this going to be like my living room? <laughs> <laughs> With a much bigger screen. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and people talking right next to me who I want to shut up. 
Nice. Um, Were there people which, talking right next to you who you wanted to shut up? Yeah, luckily it was oh, only the beginning. Sucks. But okay. yeah, it's just like like they saw Matt Smith come on. They're like, who is that guy? I know him. I've seen that before. It's like, I'm trying to listen. Shut up. Um, uh, theaters are, I have a love-hate relationship with them, but I do love the comfortable seating. Um, but yeah, so we both saw it. And I I really enjoyed it. It's it was uh I really enjoyed the ride. It's it's got that weird intro and uh with like her like dancing. I was like I don't know what this movie is gonna be. What is this? And then it like turns into like uh you know um a coming of age kind of fish out of water story with her trying to fit in in college, evolving to like a weird sort of like time travel sort of movie that I've seen before. Maybe like the one I can most aptly think of is like Frequency. Remember that oh, Jim yeah. Caviezel movie? Yeah, kind of like that, yeah. where she's going back, only she can't influence things, and that's really frustrating. And then it evolves into a haunting movie, like a, like being chased by ghosts, <laughs> rape yeah. ghosts of all things, which is something I didn't know I should be scared of until this movie. Um, Very frightening. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I, I enjoyed this ride. I, I, um, I am basically in the same boat as Mike, where I think this was a four star movie experience for me, but also I have lots of questions about things that happen. And I want to discuss that with you. And depending on how those are answered or not able to be answered, I will either up my rating or put it down a little bit. Interesting. That's exciting. Wow. That's exciting. Well, I'm, I, I'm glad that, that you did like it. Cause when Mike and I walked out, one of my first questions was, do you think Jesse likes this? Yeah. <laughs> and we were both yeah. like, I don't know. This is like a crapshoot. Like I could have flipped a coin and I, 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 with as certain as I was that you would have liked it or not. Um, mm, yeah. That's fun. It's character yeah. driven. Like, like very character. Yeah. And I know that that's, mm-hmm. that's something that you like, but yeah. Uh, it's also, it's just, it's crazy. Like you can't yeah. see what's, I didn't see most of what was coming next. Yeah. Like maybe right before it happened, and but it was like my realization with what was happening uh, was in sync with when the movie wanted me to think that, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, that creates right. a, a wonderful experience where like you are, your mind is just constantly blown. So yeah, I love that. Absolutely, I uh, yeah. I, I had a lot of the same feelings too. This is a solid four stars for me. Um, I I'm not going to say that my mind cannot be swayed and I can't I can't be made to dislike this, but I'm very comfortable with how much I like this. Uh, it just pushed a lot of my buttons exactly the right way. And I definitely see some shagginess. I see some flaws. I see some things that don't quite make sense. I'm also not certain if they can make sense. And I just, I really loved that it was an Edgar Wright movie that didn't feel like him. That was still so much fun. It was so fun. It couldn't be really scary, but every now and then it was a little scary and I didn't know what was going to happen. It was all so Mm -hmm. surprising even when I thought I knew it was going to happen, that is not what happened. And then when, when the when the big reveals happen, you're like, well, how did I not see that coming? How, that's so clear that that's what that would happen. And, and I didn't see it coming. I loved it. I, I really had a great time with this. And I, I can't wait to, uh, to to do this episode, though, I, and, mm-hmm. and hear some of your guys' questions. Um, as for the our classic question of when slash if are we going to show this to our kids, I will show this with my daughter. But uh, we're going to watch this when she's like 18. I don't feel a pressing need to do it. I feel no reason to do it earlier. And I think 18 is probably just perfect. Uh, I'm going to cite Jesse's um, argument from a long time ago about, you know, showing your kids 
a movie like this when they're the same age as the characters. I think it was Into the Spider-Verse you, you posed that argument. Um, and I'm going to use that here because I think being the age of Thomas and Mackenzie's character, she encounters this world is also the right age to encounter this world for yourself. Mm. Um, and anything after that is, is also works, but just that's as young as I'd want to go. The concepts here and themes are very, very adult and, and frightening. Um, yeah. What do you, do you agree, yeah. Jesse? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I, I would do like 18 again. When, when Thomas and Mackenzie is going through this, I think that is the time to, to show this movie to, I mean, like sometimes I think about like how happy my daughter is. And it's just like, this is like, she was reminding me so much of this character, which was freaky. Um, Mm. But it's like, Oh, maybe I want to make sure she's aware of things. You know, of course we're going to talk about with things as she grows up, particularly like this movie handles or is basically about men and how they treat women like shit. A lot of times use them. Um, Yeah. Yep. And I need my daughter to know that and understand that and experiencing that experience that without ever getting harmed. And this is a good movie for that. So yeah, 18. How about uh, you? Yeah. Mike? I, I completely agree that that resonates. Um, yeah. Yeah. I kind of picture this as like a, I don't know, leading up to Halloween before, you know, final year of high school or first, you know, and like, like they're 17, 18 years old or something like that. And um, kind of in charge of themselves in the world. And uh, we put it on and it's, it's, it's weird to say it's fun because it is fun, but it's also like, like this is some, some messed up. This is a messed up story. Like this is some pretty horrific stuff. Um, this that's, is that's really happening heavy. in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really heavy. Yeah. So I walked out, I, I don't know. I walked out feeling kind of weird. Like, like I had a lot of fun, but also I, I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, in a way, I don't know. Yeah. It, so it, it yeah. kind of reminds me actually of, of like walking out of black widow a little bit because black widow is obviously a lot yeah. more quote unquote fun, but that had some similar themes uh, in it. And it was mm-hmm. similarly alternately like heavy and alternately light. And yeah, I definitely felt conflicted leaving there. Like, okay, I like the punching, but also the trafficking of women is very upsetting. The, I, you know, that's, that's a good point. I feel like this stuck the landing a little bit better than that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. that, the yes. message of that is, is yeah. get back together with your abusers and the people who sold you into, into slavery. Like that's they how said, you, they said they were it. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, okay. Does that, does anyone else have anything to say before we move into the spoiler section where we talk freely? No, I don't think so. I, I recommend this movie. I think, you know, no, it's a serious movie, but also no, it's, it's a fun time. If you, if you choose to see it, we think you should. Do you, do you Listen, think so? Yeah. Is this a recommend Jesse? I think so. Uh, if you're looking for a horror movie, uh, I think this is a thriller horror movie. This is where you go. Is this so I, I thought of something I, I forgot until now, but uh, is this an entry level horror movie? No, 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 no. Okay. I okay. don't think so. Uh, just because of the, the extremity of the violence. I guess I that's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's the violence brutal. and the heavy themes. Yeah, because at least yeah. like with Quiet Place or Signs, like we talked about, like the the violence in Signs is the alien gets hit with a bat a couple times, quite ineffectually. Uh, and in a Quiet Place, it's like a creature, you know, running around after him that they best. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is this is a this. There's a killer in this story. That's true. There's some yeah. serious knife play. Yeah, I would. Um, yeah, I would show signs and a quiet place way before I show this. Yeah, fair. Those are straight up fair. fun. Like straight yeah. up, this is a good time. And and last night in Soho but has I, something I, else. I guess I mean though, like this isn't this isn't a scary movie. Like I didn't leave the theater being like I am scared. You know, I was like I was scared at a couple times. A couple points, he got me. You know, yeah. but. But I was like, this was, uh, I don't know, this was an, in, like, it was a good time. Like I yeah, said. I didn't, I guess I so didn't that's, that's what I mean by, like, like, like entry level, maybe it's, it's like an intermediate level or something. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, yeah. like, you don't have to, you don't have to have, you don't have to be deep into horror to, to enjoy it. Obviously um, not. Sure. Yeah. It's not, it's not scary in that kind of a way. But you still need to be looking for that kind of experience to enjoy this movie. If you watch it and you're taken by surprise, I'm not sure how much you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, like hey, quiet, quiet place. In, oh, sorry. It, it, okay. We were just wrapping up. Like the is it? Uh, you know, entry level. Like like base. Like this isn't a scary movie. In like <clears throat> in terms of like this isn't frightening. It's not midsummer. Like this isn't isn't going to be something that that like makes you feel really bad. Well, something. I think I think well, let's like talking about two different kinds of things, right? Like Midsommar, I would not call scary, Mids- but it yeah. did make me feel like shit. And something that that has like The Exorcist scares me, and it makes me feel like shit. And something uh, I don't know. I'm trying to find examples. Like anyway, horror can be a lot of different things, and right. I know plenty of people who would be very frightened by this. Um, and those people were quite frightened of a quiet place. So I I just think that in terms of just who we are. This isn't frightening, but I think it has the, the capacity to be really scary. Yeah. We're just not the people that are scared by it. I was also more frightened by this than either A Quiet Place or Signs combined, yeah. which isn't that yes. hard. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm just going to say it. Rape ghosts are terrifying to me. That, I, I've that never known that I should be scared of these things. But man, also like the fact that they're faceless. They're faceless rape ghosts just out yeah to clutch a woman just ugh. uh especially that i cared so much about uh thomas and mckenzie like yep. i i uh yeah it it got my heart racing um yeah i'm not gonna call it, i don't think i experienced like real jump scares but i was uh i was really into this yeah uh well then if ending our non-spoiler section everyone if you haven't seen last night in soho and you listen listen this far thank you so much please come back when you've seen the movie please don't listen forward and have the movie spoiled for you it's not as if there's like a huge crazy twist it's not as if like if you know it you won't enjoy the movie but there's a ride this movie wants to take you on and you should be there for that ride Mm -hmm. um so please go watch it if you're into scary movies and if you're not get move along with your day Move along. Thank you so much. I'm sorry that every October is hard for you. <laughs> um, but Jesse, then talking about those those ghosts, the ghost with sexual intent. Uh, what is your favorite slash scariest scene here? Ugh, uh, it's got to be when all the hands pop out from the floorboards oh, and the walls really scary. and the beds. And the windows. And they're just it's just like they're clutching her and like she can't escape. It's like the worst nightmare. And also it's happening at a time when you don't like at this point in the movie, I guess the ghosts are just showing up randomly. Uh because it used yeah. to be they would show up when she was sleeping, and now they're all just there reaching out for her. Actually, and the house is on fire. And the house is on fire, physically interacting with her, and they reach out and and they grab her and you think something terrible is going to happen. Instead, they say, help us. 
like, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, it was just like a total emotional 180. Like, what What do you mean help? And then they say, like, kill her um, to th- about the old lady who turns out killed all of them. I, and then it's, and like, these ghosts have been evil. I hate them. But you, I also instantly felt a little bit of pity for them. And also like, no, absolutely not. Please do not kill the woman just because the rape ghosts are telling you to. Um, and she does. Like, that's the wrong. Those are the wrong people to listen to. Those are bad guys. Like what she did wasn't good either. But these yeah. guys are real bad. It's real you bad. Know, you know that. You know that subreddit. Am, am I the asshole? I was really thinking about that. Like, am I the asshole here? Like there are these rape goes, but then there's the one who killed them. But like she's gonna kill me. Who's who's the one at fault here? I'm like, and this is a clear situation of like everybody sucks here. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially the rape ghosts. Like yes. they're. Especially the rape ghosts. Especially. They're, they're, they're horrendous. And they've been like oh. tormenting her instead of like talking to her. I don't know. I, I don't know what the rape ghosts are doing. Um, but uh, I also love that, that moment of the triumph. That hands, dude. Like, oh, oh yeah. That, that's, that's, that stuck with me, too. Yeah. It's just like, and, and the way they're breaking through like the window or like the, yeah. the walls, like, bang, bang. And like, boom, oh. there's no nothing stopping them. The wall, the wall of reality is There's no escape falling. from these. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ah, so they're terrifying, and then, uh, but I also love the moment of triumph when she just says, "No, I'm not going to do that." Yeah. And it's like it's so satisfying because, like, I this is a emotional situation I didn't expect to be in when I got into this movie, or even five seconds prior to the scene starting. But now that we're here, I'm just like, well, "No, please don't kill her," and and she doesn't, and it's like a moment of triumph, and then, and then she starts making some good decisions with the with the serial killer lady. Who has also been a co-protagonist of this movie? Sandy, um, no, Sandy, right? She starts to kill herself, and then she's Thomas and Mackenzie stops her, and instead she just sits and waits for the flames to come. And uh, you know she can't do anything about that, but she gives her a hug after this woman tried to kill her a couple times, yeah. um, and stabbed her friend, and really stabbed her badly. friend, he really badly. Killed. Like, this is a situation where it's like, I think it would be okay to, like, push her down the stairs very badly right now. And yeah. no, she doesn't. She goes in and she and she hugs her because they have that understanding that has been built up throughout the, the whole movie. It was weird, kind of unexpected, and I think it works. It has some weird emotional pulls in this scene that I was not expecting and haven't felt in a long time in any singular scene. So, yeah, this is a, oof, that was a crazy, crazy scene. Yeah. It's really that's strong. Awesome. It is a wild scene, man. I definitely feel like that's that's the scene that I have the most questions about. Like what it, and 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 how I don't know how everything plays out there. No, that's a fantastic scene. And we should actually cover how it works. Uh, if it works, do we care um, a little bit further on in the show? I, yeah. I have to say my my favorite scene is the vision that Thomas and McKenzie has of Sandy being murdered. It's, I know it's a weird scene to have be my favorite scene, but it was, it was, I, I really like horror movies. I, and I've never seen a scene like this. So Thomason is there and gradually the, the lines between her and Sandy are, are blurring and blurring. It used to be that Thomason is kind of like a voyeur looking in from the outside. And now it seems like she's trading places actively with Sandy. And some of the stuff that happened in Sandy's memories is starting to happen to her. And she can't seem to wake up or stop it as easily as she could at the beginning. And at, in this scene in particular, she's she's got this guy 
He's, she snuck him up to her room. She's opening up to this guy for the first time. They're making out on the bed and she sees above the bed, like a huge mirror that she's seen before of Sandy being brutalized by the Matt Smith character. Who's been acting as kind of like her pimp for the whole story. And he's threatening her with a knife. He's hitting her. And this is happening as she is actively making out with her boyfriend. And then it's transposed to where now Matt Smith and Anna Taylor Joy are in the bed with them. She and the boyfriend have rolled away from each other on either side of the bed. She's watching Sandy be stabbed by this guy. She's screaming. Her boyfriend doesn't know what to do. Then the door opens and Diana Rigg comes in, who, as we now know, is actually Sandy in real life. And she's there. And like the, the chaos in the scene is just at a thousand. But the chaos is just is, is so intense, so extravagant and so well orchestrated that uh, I, I was just really in awe. I, I was I was really blown away and I was so sucked into the moment and so worried that this is the end of Sandy's story. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. What did you guys think? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I, I loved it too. It was also like, it's, it's like, it's terrifying and, and, and it's extremely upsetting. Um, but like, you know, in, in a, in a good way. Uh, yeah. In a horrible uh, way. But it's also kind of hilarious too. Like imagine being that, that guy, like what is going on? This is not, yeah. he's not seeing any of this stuff that's oh, going on. It's... He's just seen <laughs> like, like that would be a terrifying thing to experience, but it's also there's something that was kind of I felt a little funny about it. Um, yeah, with with him, like not that that was the focus, but now I'm talking about it more than more than it even uh, needs. But it was just like like just thinking about how weird that situation would be. Could, could you um, imagine you're you're making out with somebody and they crawl to the other side of the bed, just utterly terrified, out of yeah. the blue. Because they're like watching in horror as if somebody is dying in front of them. And you're like, everything's yeah. fine. So we were okay. Like, <laughs> I didn't do anything. I didn't yeah. do anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm a nice guy. I keep asking her if I can help her with things. I gave yeah. her back her Coke. And then the yeah. old lady comes in and is like, what's going on? And he's like, all right, uh, uh, I'm leaving. But that's it. <laughs> the I best thing you to do is leave. Bye. <laughs> and he crashes into keep... the mirror, which ups the uh, the chaos a little bit too. Yeah. Exactly. Apparently, yeah. it and is bleeding. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. No. He's stepping in the isn't he stepping in the blood from the the bed? Because there's so much blood and like it's flowing everywhere. That that's what I thought. I, I actually there was because there was they they there was a cut of like blood on the glass and. Yeah. Mm. We saw him run over the glass, but, yeah. we, so, but we never mentioned that it never comes back. That he yeah, doesn't cut or anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, that's why I didn't think it was him. It feels like a, a maybe it's just another red herring or something. I I, like there's a lot it of seemed them. like it because I remember a couple shots and I'm like, oh, that's gonna come up again. He has yeah. an injured foot, yeah. Braveheart style. Uh, not Braveheart style. <laughs> Die hard. Die hard. Die hard style. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I really enjoyed this scene, but I, I had, like, two big questions about it. Like, as I was watching it, and then after the fact. The first one is, like, they kind of established that uh, whenever something happens to, to Sandy, something happens to Thompson McKenzie, as exhibited by a hickey on her neck earlier. Yeah. But she doesn't get stabbed. No. And that, that was weird to me. It was like, I was actively expecting that to be something in this movie where like something really violent and terrible happens to Sandy and now it's going to happen to our protagonist and it doesn't. And that felt weird because I don't know. Um, I guess maybe my expectations would, were 
Well, well, we we know that Sandy didn't get murdered. Which is another issue that I have looking back on it, because what she saw then was not Sandy getting stabbed, but the other guy getting stabbed over and over again. So, like, why was she convinced that Sandy was murdered? And it's based off of that interpretation of her watching that, that we think Sandy's murdered because we don't actually see it. Yeah. Right. And Yeah, I guess, like, maybe, you know, emotional trauma. She's not quite picking up what's happening or whatever. But, like, I don't know. I think I, she I, actively has a, has a mental illness. Um, Mike, Mike and I were discussing this like very yeah. briefly before, but she, you know, th- there's all these hints about her, her mother, you know, not making it in the city. And, um, we, we established really early that Thomason sees her mother and lies about it. So she has some sort of either diagnosed, but not mentioned or some form of schizophrenia. The way I read this scene later was that you, I'm never certain what is happening supernaturally to Thomas and Mackenzie that she's saying that's true and what she's what her own mental illness is like, for instance, the scene in the library. I don't know if that's real or if that's Thomas having a breakdown. Right. Um, yeah. But then I do know, like in Mike's favorite scene, he's going to bring up a little bit when she does enter Soho. That's much different. That's like a really transformative thing. She's stepping into another place as opposed to that other place invading her reality. So it seems like it's always like a give and take of of either her mental illness or the supernatural forces working on her. And I guess I read this scene as more of her own manifestation. And she wasn't seeing it clearly, something like that. And so when she does see it clearly later on, you know, when she's told about it, then then it's it clarifies for her. I, I don't think it's fully explained, but that's that's how I read it. OK, yeah. it's so, like the so rules basically... aren't necessarily like the rules keep shifting. I don't. Yeah, but I don't think it's in a bad way. It's not like, a oh, he broke his own rule that he said. It's that it's unclear. It's that there's a lot of different things that are impacting the way she's viewing this. We know she has a connection to to the past even with her mother maybe but you know like drinking can impact that or uh or i mean like there's like maybe those drinks were just were drugged that night and that's why she saw what she did and it was all flip flopped um because she's imposing her own sort of concerns and worries because here she is like she's she's gonna sleep with this guy um who's a nice guy but she's getting kind of traumatized by watching like very traumatized by watching uh, Anya Taylor joy by watching Sandy fall from being, you know, like this, this bright rising star to right. Basically being pimped by Matt Smith. Uh, yeah. Like Jack. Yeah. Um, that's, it's pretty horrible night after night after night. And right. So I imagine like that could definitely like hurt her, her mental state and mental health and, while yeah. she's seen something, it's it's impacted also by what she's imposing on it. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'll, I'll accept that that's there, but I, I don't like that. I like more straightforward rules, and this net, it seems like it establishes them and then throws them away. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, it gives you enough rules until it decides that the rules aren't fun and then doesn't do the <laughs> rules anymore. Yeah, uh, which is like something you can do if you want to do that. I, I get I get where you're coming from. I know that you like it when things are more complete. And I think this one, because of the dreamy nature of everything, I feel that Edgar Wright probably thought that he could play around with the rules um, and it wouldn't hurt the story too much. Do, do you think it impacts the story too negatively? I'm not sure if it impacts the story, but suddenly anything about like mental health becomes like a little more murky for me about what this movie is or trying to say or 
like his i don't know um yeah i i guess that's it like i with other edgar wright movies i always felt like there was um it was always super well put together the rules don't really change he establishes them and follows them through all the way and i i guess this took me by surprise and you know i i would rather like whenever i see like rules that maintain their space throughout i always think that is really hard to do that makes a, a much better movie in my opinion and that is usually what edgar wright is able to do so i thought i thought this was kind of i thought it was a downfall and part part of the reason why i i took off a whole star because otherwise if he had if he had made it really consistent all the way through i think this would be a five star hmm I think that they could have too. Like he, she didn't have to see that image of Sandy getting stabbed to to be freaked out. Like she doesn't have to see the blood. She doesn't have to see like the knife going in yeah. at all. Like she could just see Matt Smith on top, like trying to trying to kill her, or like one of one of many thousands of horrible things happening to yeah. having a Sandy for for that moment to occur. It's not as uh, it's probably not as um, uh, as genre. If, if he doesn't, mm-hmm. maybe, because like, that's definitely, Vito, you and I were talking about it, right? And and you were talking about how this is Jalo, right? J- am am yeah. I saying that right? Jalo. Yeah. Um, Italian and for yellow. Yeah. That's like a very stylistic sort of like, and, and that scene is probably the most stylistic of them all. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I guess it comes down to like, what, what does Edgar Wright want to do? Right. And Edgar Wright is always done exactly what it is that he wants to do he has he has these things in mind like he was he was thinking about um he was originally thinking about writing the script when he was finishing up the world's end so a mm-hmm. long time ago and uh he was supposed to be two movies before that of course he was unfortunately had to drop out of ant-man because of you know conflicts with marvel and so then he just did uh, baby driver instead and but he'd, he's been thinking about last night and so for a really long time and he uh he had the music and everything, just like what Edgar Wright always does. He gets mm-hmm. his music together, he gets his story ideas, he gets his placing, and then he gets the things that he wants to reference. Um, in a recent interview that he gave with uh, Sean Fennessy on The Big Picture, he's talking about how maybe he needs to stop uh, telling people the references so people stop coming in expecting something, <laughs> which I think is actually probably a good thing, because in the lead up to this, he was like partnering with BFI and being like, here are the 25 movies that best exemplify 1960s Soho. And then like BFI was like streaming them all. And then he's giving like all these talks about how like this movie's like, don't look now. This movie's just like repulsion. And he's like letting people in. He's like showing everyone all the stuff that he wants to do because that's, that's what he gets into. He's like, I love these movies. I'm going to make a movie like those movies. And so those movies are similarly kind of messy. Um, repulsion, repulsion a little bit more. So I guess it's it, it flip flops around a lot. Um, and so I, I think he he intentionally works within the genre of the movies that he picks and makes a movie like those. Um, and so, Jesse, you're pointing to the slight inconsistency here. I think he's probably pretty aware of that. And because of the framework that he's set up, he, the genre he set himself up into, he's like, yeah, it's fine. And and yeah. it is fine. Just It's just not transcendently fine. You know what I mean? He's made a really, really good genre piece and a really good movie, too. But he doesn't maybe to your point, doesn't break through into that excellent territory because of the, the inconsistency. Is that, yeah, it's not just an inconsistency though. I mean, like he has made this choice because he could have done a million other things with this scene, but he was like, no, I want to, I want, I want to change the rules. I want you to realize that the rules that you think exist are not the the right ones. And I think that that's worth considering. Is that a good, like, was that a good move? Did that, 
why did he make that decision? I don't think that's what he did, though, because he yeah? just says he just says the rules you thought were the rules aren't the rules. He doesn't say here are the rules. Right. There's no yeah. there's no new statement. He just says, well, it just doesn't work that way. No, no, no but on. he I, I doesn't he I feel like with uh, when he get he has to get the hickey. He's like, yeah. everyone thinks that there are rules now. Everyone thinks that she's impacted by what, what happens to Sandy. Mm-hmm. In the past. Everyone who's watching this movie thinks that what she sees is a one-to-one match with reality. And that not only that, what happens to her, to, to Sandy, happens to... Um, happens to uh, Ellie. What's her name? Ellie. That's Ellie. right. Yeah. Um, and then in this not. critical scene, <laughs> he flips it. And the rules change from your perspective. You realize that what you thought was true isn't. And like, like it's a, it is the crisis moment of the movie, isn't it? Isn't it like right when things really go, go haywire? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with any of that. I'm just saying that I don't even know if he upends. He just simply says what you thought was true isn't true. Yeah. And what's frustrating about that is he doesn't give an alternate. uh, I think that's what Jesse, Jesse, is that what you're saying? That he doesn't give an alternate explanation. Uh, yeah, and that I know he's intelligent enough and is makes perfectly crafted movies enough to have done that and chose yeah. not to. So, which is also why I, I came in saying, like, I think it can go down or up because if it's all intentional, he just didn't care for some reason for this movie. That would really bug me. I, I'd bring this yeah. down a little bit more. But if this is intentional, maybe... And this is another thing. I'm still open for maybe a whole other theory about stuff that's going on here. Because I think with his movies, that's possible. I don't know what that is. Um, but I'm also yeah, one viewing if, was not enough. No, yeah. one viewing is not enough of this movie. I think it deserves no. to be watched a, yeah. a few times. That's awesome. Mike, we've listed yeah. our favorite scenes, but you have not listed yours yet because we got talking about the movie a little bit. But what is your favorite scene? Yeah, um... It- I uh, I love both of those scenes. Like uh, everything, like you said, Edgar Wright crafts every scene perfectly. Um, I don't think that he has a bad shot. Uh, but that first scene when um, when Ellie goes under the uh, under the blanket and enters Soho as Sandy for the first time, that's beautiful, man. It's it's she walks in, the lights are bright. You know, mm-hmm. she's she's walking through. It, it's a dreamland. It feels like uh, it, it feels almost like. Um, I don't know. It feels kind of like Cinderella or something like that. Remember, like, mm-hmm. like all the bright lights and all of that. But it, as she descends the stairs into the uh, into the club, she descends and, and there's this sense of dirty that you start picking up throughout and I, I just feel like it gives all of these sort of cues and you leave that night thinking it's all amazing but you're also kind of thinking like I don't know this Matt Smith guy like he's he's a little it's fishy seedy yeah he's a, yeah and like and you and I mean like the things you find out later like he's actually friends with that jerky dude who uh who's been trying to pick her up for all night and like this is their thing this is how he gets the girl and turns them into a prostitute and like um yeah just just the whole thing it it sets up the story very well um it sets up sort of the the character development that ellie goes through really well also and and it's just beautiful it's beautifully shot it's wonderful it's this throwback to a type of filmmaking that i don't think you know we see a whole lot of um and uh but it's also imbued with a little bit of, of worry 
as well. Yeah. You're also thinking like this is not a really healthy way for for a college you know freshman or whatever she is to behave. Um, yeah. As well, like rather than, I mean, like not that the people that she was around were any good, but like to just isolating like that, <laughs> knowing you have yeah. a history of mental illness, retreating from yeah. the world, having to overwork now to pay for your rent, not contacting your support system or letting them know what's going on with you. There's a lot of red flags here. Like, th- this is <laughs> oh, a setup yeah. for a breakdown. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No one knows where she is. Yeah. 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 So. I also, um, I also love like the, the filmmaking of that scene. Like apparently, you know, when they're uh, Thompson McKenzie and Anya Taylor joy are dancing. Oh, um, yeah. on the dance floor with the guy. Yeah. Like they are actually cutting in and out of frame, just like ducking out of sight from the camera and switching. Like that's not CGI. It's not like movie magic. They just, they just had the camera set at, at the right way. And those actresses were so good that you couldn't tell. Uh, it, it's the magic yeah. of the movies, not movie magic. Right. Like this is, yeah. this is yeah. what, this is beautiful. And it's just, Oh yeah. It, it's such a wonderful, bright, dance of of how how movies used to be the, the shot where she comes out from the alleyway and has to walk across the road um they had one evening they had one night set out they had it from 10 30 to 2 a.m on like a wednesday night that that section of street was blocked off so i think they said it was eight lanes of traffic and one lane at the very end had to stay open in case there was an ambulance or a fire truck that went by so they had four hours to do this unbroken take from going from the alley all the way through into the Club de Paris. And they couldn't rehearse on the set, on the on the location, because they just had it for the one night. So they went, they mm-hmm. took real time measurements as to how far it would be. And they went to an airstrip and then sketched it out on the airstrip and then plotted where the cars needed to be. And so they brought a bunch of cars onto the airstrip and they just rehearsed there with the cars coming up in sequence and Thomason trying to walk and just pretend that the airstrip was just like London at night. <laughs> Uh, and Edgar is talking about like, yeah, you know, we could have CGI'd it, but you know, this was cheaper and it was cool. So we just did it the cheap, cool way. There's genuine amazement on her face. And I think yeah. you, you need the bright shining lights in order to, to actually have that. Just like a bunch of a green screen, like a bunch of tennis balls hanging around, like look uh. around, like it's your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I, I genuinely hate it when movies do that. Cause I could always tell. I was yeah. just like, oh, they're looking at a blank wall right now. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty obvious. Yeah. And they're just like, uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, oh, when, yeah. I, when I saw you Beautiful. put this in the, the Google Doc this morning, Mike, I, I turned to my wife and I said, of course, Mike picked the best scene in the damn movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I was the one who made the doc, so I got to choose That's first. Right. That's uh, right. Um, uh, okay. So so we've gone over, we've got talked about the movie a little bit, but maybe we, let's do a, a quick speed round. I guess not a speed round. A speed round for us, so only a couple minutes per subject. Uh, Oh, the stuff that worked. Two to 20 minutes. Two to 20 minutes per subject. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, number one, uh, the music. What did you guys think of the music? Did it work? Oh, yes. It was amazing. I thought it was great. It was so good. Uh, There's a... that just like that the score and the soundtrack combined that would kind of like bleed into each other. Ah, it was beautiful. Yeah, I uh, Edgar Wright curated a playlist of 60 songs. He, he narrowed it down from like 300 songs uh, that he had while they were writing um, the movie, him and Christy. And he published it on Spotify. If you follow Edgar Wright on Spotify, you can look at all his official playlists. And there's an official uh, Last Night in Soho playlist. It's fantastic. That's all I've been listening to. I, I am obsessed cool. now. 
with this era. This music is amazing. <laughs> it's great music. Well, uh, next one, we have 60s nostalgia. Now, Edgar Wright himself has talked about this very much being a movie about um, a kind of a condemnation of those who would lionize the past and wish mm-hmm. to, to look, view things through rose-colored glasses. And I think that comes through pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> but still, there's yeah. some fun nostalgia here, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, there's. I think fun... so. I mean, like the music is great, and he's like, "This music is fantastic, right?" Nostalgic for that music, I think, but not like for for like, let's go back then. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, yeah, things were pretty bad. Like the way they show London currently, it's like it's pretty bad. It's not better in the '60s, um, and I do. It's, it's just, it's just brighter. That's it's it. brighter. <laughs> it, it is cool looking. It, it's flashy. I like I, you know, I I love everything that they're they're wearing and doing. It, it's really, uh, yeah. That that nostalgia is great, but yeah, I also love the flipping of the nostalgia, being like, yeah, actually, this is terrible. Look at yeah. like what? Did, besides the hands, the most horrific scene in this movie, I think, is just the dressing room <laughs> when like, yeah, yeah, you know. One girl is like giving another guy a blowjob, but another girl's like doing heroin or meth, and another girl's like being helped to her feet. Like it's horrendous. That is the stuff yeah. of nightmares. And the like slow I've walk seen... down the hallway to hell. Yeah, like I've seen that before in other movies, but like this made it look terrifying. And uh, so yeah, I love the good and the bad nostalgia. I love putting things in its place. Yeah, it was great, man. That was that was an incredible like journey when we see her like audition at the at the rialto it's the rialto right um yeah and she sings downtown and it's just it's beautiful it's incredible um and then we go back there and we go to a show with uh that she's in and we see as, what as it like really a wind-up person <laughs> as yeah. a wind-up person with like a tiny skirt and a, and a little top and she's like humiliated by it and yeah uh, there's a it, moment uh, where it's like it's like oh this is funny and then you're like this is this isn't funny this because is every, everyone's laughing right like all of the all of the guys it's a it's a it's a gentleman's yeah. club and like mm. all the guys are laughing you're like oh yeah this is this is this isn't funny like this it, it is was very terrible. yeah horrible and it goes further and you and you see her in the dressing room and you see like her trying to run away and she can't oh it was it was very yeah. cool and that's the moment um, where the movie suddenly changes. It's like, okay, yeah. things are no longer happy. Things are terrible. Yeah. Get out of this mess. But before I was like, oh man, I don't want to see any more of Thomas and Mackenzie's life as Ellie in, in fashion college. I want to go back to Soho. And then that scene happened. I was like, I don't want to be in Soho anymore. Let's go back to fashion school. <laughs> oh, that's go so back great. to the country. Just get out of here. Get out of here, <laughs> Ellie. Go back that's to That's exactly what Ellie's going through too. Ah, that, yep. It works beautifully. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it, I think the sixties nostalgia works and doesn't work in the right measure. Um, our two leads, Thomason and Anya, uh, did they work? Yeah. Did, did they work? Yeah. Yeah. They're great. <laughs> they're amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can't have a four star movie like centered around two actresses and them not pull their weight, but they pulled, oh man, they were incredible. They brought every scene to life. Uh, I really felt for Thomas and McKenzie and I felt a lot of weird emotions for Anya Taylor joy. Like, you know, she seems like, like I really wanted her to succeed, but like, I, I don't know. Like, not I this there's way. A, there's a yeah. lot of like nuance in her character that I really, uh, I really appreciate. Yeah. 
they're both great. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I think they they both have to do a really hard job, um, and I think they both do it exceptionally well. I, I don't think one is better than the other. I think it's very even, um, and I, I'm I'm equally impressed. Do you think? Say. Do you think if either of these actresses get a nomination, um, which one would win? Uh, I don't know because it's it's. They they flit in and out. Thomason Thomason has to do more subtle emotional work than Anya does. Anya is the bigger, flashier performance. Thomason has to be really quiet sometimes. Uh, I would say that Anya, if anyone is going to get nominated, it would be Anya for supporting. Yeah, yeah, because she is a supporting. She is supporting. She isn't the yeah. main character. She yeah. has less screen time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Are they good like mirrors of each other? When when Are, this movie as, was both as this movie was announced, and as yeah, yeah. <laughs> when this movie was announced and they said Anya Taylor Joy and Thompson McKenzie, I was like, well, of course, yes, <laughs> yes, because they they weirdly they feel the same somehow, and and a pairing between them feels inevitable. And uh, Anya's had a couple pairings, like she, I think she paired with uh, Olivia Cook and Thoroughbreds, uh, Anton Yelchin's final movie, and that was really good. And she does a really good job with working with somebody. And and just seeing Thomas and Mackenzie there, I was like, yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, they look similar, but dissimilar too. Uh, there's a quality about them that's that's the same, but there's enough difference. Uh, and as characters, yeah. I mean, it's it's clear. If you know, one they would be best friends if they were teenagers. You know, because um, you got Sandy, who's like so confident and vivacious, and can just has has balls. You know, and then you have uh, Eloise who is also confident in herself too, but she's more naive and she's a little quieter. Is not so certain of, of how she is around other people. Like it's an introvert, extrovert, beautiful pairing. I, I loved mm. it all. Yeah. Um, I agree. Matt Smith. Matt Smith. Was he good? Uh, he worked. I thought he worked. He worked. <laughs> I thought he was great. He was such a bad <laughs> dude. Yep. He works perfectly for what he needs to do here. <laughs> yeah. I think Jesse's audibly gagging. <laughs> I mean, like I hate him. But that's only because he acted so well and I bought it. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder if he's going to play, like, ever since being the doctor, he's just gone, like, I don't think he's been a good guy. Like, the doctor, yeah. even as the doctor, he was kind of a questionable good guy at times. And right. uh, I don't know. He's going to be in, in the House of the Dragon or whatever, the new Targaryen. Um, Dam- as Damon Targaryen. Like, yeah. that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what that's going to be like. He's just going going way down um, into and that stuff. Yeah. So that's gonna be interesting. I also think he would make a great Bond villain. Of oh, course, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's just so thin and menacing. You know, we we and need his, more. Yeah. But his face is so gooey. You know, <laughs> I think I think it's because I, I, it, it, this this half of his face, like from his from his cheekbones down, is narrower than from his cheekbones up. Because his cheekbones up, his head is like really huge, and then down he's got like a little head. It's really disconcerting. That I'm so sorry, Matt Smith. If you ever hear this, I'm sorry. I'm talking about your shape of your head. It just it needs to be remarked upon. He's got yeah. a great shape for for what he does. He's got the wrong mouth for his forehead. That's it. That's good too. Yeah, but he's That's great good though. Or or vice versa. He's terrible, oh. by which I mean he's great. Yeah. He's a great actor. I love him. I love I love yeah. when he shows up. Yeah. Uh, 
All right. So then the time that Thomason spends in her art school, especially with uh, with Jocasta, uh, how do we feel about this? Does it work? I felt kind of weird about this. Like it, it worked and it was fun, but it was like, I kind of felt like um, there's, there's too many like genre genres going on or something like art school, like bitchy, you know, college roommate, like on Wednesdays we were pink. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just, it's just a lot. I mean, she was, she was great at what she was doing, but it was, it felt, I don't know. Was it necessary? Maybe it's, yes. it's, it's how yeah. I felt. That's the question I felt. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Why? I, I think it's necessary because like, it's like what Vito had just been saying where you want the Soho scenes at first and then you just want her to be designing like the Soho dress that she saw. When yeah. I think for me, once she started doing the the Soho dress, that's when I started getting drawn into her art school. I kind of wasn't before. I did yeah. you know, relate to like the fish out of water, first go to college sort of experience. And, you know, that I, I thought that worked um, as like a plot device. But then like to make me feel something very particular, which is I want things to go back to normal now. Stop going to Soho. Uh, in order to get that, I think they needed to show her like succeeding in in school in some way in something kind of mundane because you need to see it as boring at first and then see oh please 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 go back take me back yeah <laughs> yeah hey that's a good point yeah yeah the sort of like sort of tropey trope heavy sort of thing that that we're involved with like it's it's a normal yeah. like it's a normal fun story fish yeah. out of water all of that but like that's not what i'm here for we we want to have that so that we're like, get me back to normalcy. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I think yeah. it's it's a pretty similar setup for a lot of a lot of horror movies, right? Like, you have yeah, the boring shit that happens at high school, and then as time goes on, like the high school stops being as important, and we start zooming past it. But then the other the other side narrative is getting worse. Like, it's 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 a pretty familiar thing to do. And I, I think he does right. it well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I say it works. I I say it works now too. I, okay. I had the que- cool. that was a question that I felt. Um, oh, yeah. felt needed to be asked more than anything. And that's nice. fair. I was confused when I was watching this at first. It's like, what? Yeah. what is going on here? Like, well, this is the thriller horror stuff. Yeah, like the whole first 15 minutes are like, there's so much obviously invested into it that it's very weird. Because usually the first 15 minutes are weird and like not, you don't really care about them in the end. But like, like that dress, I was looking at that dress she was wearing. And it's like, that is made out of newspaper. Someone made a newspaper dress for the first 15 yep. minutes of this movie. That's a lot of work to put into the yeah. first 15 minutes of a horror movie. That is just like the setup, you know? Yeah. And no, I appreciate I it. I have to say one of the uh, all-time terrible pickup lines. I don't think I've ever heard a pickup line worse than the one in the toucan to Jocasta. That was like, I heard that and it landed like a dead fish on the floor. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> that is horrible. Uh, uh, yeah. What was the pickup line again? <laughs> what was it? Yeah, you have it's... to say it. <laughs> Can I bury it in you yeah. or something? Yeah. It's, right. yeah. Yeah. it's so bad. It's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And low. like, and, 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 and Ellie just like walks away from it and you just hear him in the back. I'm like, Oh, come on, p- play the game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. dick. <laughs> the twist, uh, the we've... twist worked. 
Yeah, it, I think it, so. Yeah. yeah. It I caught agree. me by surprise. And again, it's because you think that she got murdered, so you don't think that this woman is still alive. And also, I had seen the trailers where they said, I'm investigating a murder. So I knew that was going to happen, unfortunately. So I thought yep. the whole time, of course, the old lady is not her until until the cop died and said, ask Alex. I was like, okay, this is going to be a character. We're going to know who Alex is. Yeah, but, who's Alex? Who's Alex? Yeah. Yeah. But he gives you, like, it's fun, too, because he gives you everything as well, like, beforehand. Because, yeah. like, we know that she told that one dude her name was Alex. But yep. I've forgotten it by the time that he says, ask Alex. And, yep. yeah, just, just you know, everything. And, like, like yeah. she's looking at the stories of all the dead men. And mm-hmm. those are all the ghosts who are pursuing her. And, yes. yeah. like, yeah. It's it's really it's really cool. And and like I I don't know about you guys. I had a moment where I was like, "Oh, wait. I wonder if this is Sandy." You know, when she first meets the Yeah, yeah, yeah. the But it's like, "Oh, no, she's not cuz Sandy's dead." Yeah. You know, we know I this. I know Sandy's dead because I'm because I Actually, I have no reason for thinking that Sandy is dead. <laughs> That's like the big trick of the movie. It's like, "Well, okay, the visions are definitely of a dead girl." You know, why would we be having visions of a live girl? Uh, yeah. yeah 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 that's the rule that's the underlying rule we're assuming you only have visions of dead people yep they and only see like, dead people like like he, he's even being like like you're stupid for thinking that because you think <laughs> that she's seeing visions of matt smith and you think matt smith is still alive like why are you thinking that like that's a stupid principle to hold <laughs> exactly all right well Vito had to go unexpectedly uh, he did record his Is This a Dad movie clip, so you will hear that at the end. But for right now, it's just going to be me and Mike talking about a few more things about this movie. Um, one more, like, what worked and what didn't that I wanted to ask about is the boyfriend. Yeah. Does he the work? Boyfriend. Does he work? He does a lot of work. He's really nice. <laughs> he's a nice dude. Like, he's, yeah. uh, right? He he might be. He's too nice. Yeah. I like, okay. Um, if, you know, hypothetically speaking, if someone uh, starts making out with you and then starts acting like a crazy person, and then you, like, I think he bleeds on glass. I, Vito says otherwise, but I think we both saw that. <laughs> and then he's running around, like, chasing cop cars because she thinks cops are going towards Ellie, and he stops her from stabbing somebody to death. Like I would have, I would have been out. I would have been out by now. And he gets stabbed for her. It's true. It's true. <laughs> this guy yeah. is too nice. Okay, I, he. I. I'd be like, if that was my son, I'd be like, I don't think you should date this girl. But what you did by looking out for her and getting like you clearly met someone who was in a, a mental health crisis, mm-hmm. and that was the mm-hmm. right thing to do to help her to get out of it. Um, right. Whatever it is. And I mean, I guess there's rape ghosts too. And you helped her free her, like get rid of the rape ghosts. And that's great as well. He doesn't even know about those though. He's just going off of like this, this crazy person. <laughs> he just tried to stab her bitchy roommate. I mean, we all want to do that, but she's just crazy enough. She might do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, so I thought, he, he, yeah. yeah. I mean, so this is kind of for yeah. me. Like I do root for him, but it's like, man, I don't know. I I don't, this character is just, he's too good. Yeah. 
Yeah, he seems pretty, um, seems a little unbelievable. But at the same time, like, think about being in college. And like, I don't know. I, I feel like in college, I, I spent, a, we spent a lot of time being like, hey, let's, let's help people. Uh, now I'm sounding like a terrible person now. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I still, not now, yeah. I, I still do that. It's just, there's like, there's, there's small humans who are under, under my, my care. Um, I feel like it's realistic. You know, he likes this girl and, and sees she's having trouble. And then he sort of like gets involved with her and realizes she's in a lot of trouble. Uh. Yeah, I do realize getting involved with her, but like he, he gets pretty involved pretty quickly that's and they true. don't really talk much. Yeah. That's when it's like, man, I, I don't know what, what's up with you. So like, yeah, yeah I, he didn't quite work for me. And I, I hear what you're saying. Like, I do kind of relate to this guy and I, I think you're right. College is more the time where you're trying to get to know people, trying to figure out how you can impact the world. And I think he does embody that. Uh, but I think you could do that in maybe a slightly more realistic manner. Like, what if he's the guy who starts believing that she is being chased by ghosts and she tells him that? Because that conversation never happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if I'm that guy, because, like, I definitely put myself into his shoes, like, when, when she's she's freaking out after they make out and, like, as the house is burning down, I put myself in her shoes, his shoes, and I'm like, yeah, I don't. Well, I guess he gets stabbed by the by uh, by Sandy. So he's like, oh, yeah, she is a bad person. And like, yeah. I can see that there's some reality here um, to the terror that that Ellie's ex experiencing. Yeah, I think. Him showing up at the end for like her grand reveal and turns out they're together. I would buy that since he's been stabbed by Sandy because then I would assume, oh, my girlfriend has been living with the serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty horrendous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Things that were happening to her were not really her fault. I just, uh, yeah. He just seemed like, um, like you never even find out anything about him. The only thing you know about him is that he's into Ellie. That's it. Also, he's from, is he from North London or South London? South London. He needs a car to drive to North London. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of adjustment. A lot of adjustment going from <laughs> South London to North London. Yeah. It's very funny. So yeah, of all the characters, I for me, he was the weakest. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I feel like that ties into um, a bigger sort of question, but maybe we can talk about that in a, in a second. I feel like the next question I have sort of is like a what worked and what didn't. Um, but it's, it's a little bigger than that, uh, mm -hmm. that, that I had and it's, and it's too bad that Vito isn't here because I know he's got thoughts about this as well, but I'm glad you're here cause I want to hear your thoughts. Um, but is this, uh, is this like, is this like an Edgar Wright movie? Like what we expect out of an Edgar Wright movie? And, I think partially. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How? How so? Um, so like the opening scene, it starts out with music and and there's this perfect shot of just a, a dark uh, a dark room and a bright doorway and some and ellie's dancing in in it and it turns out she's and then there's this whole scene going around based off of like um this woman 
this girl dancing around the room, that felt very Edgar Wright to me. Like there was precision like shots. Like I almost associate Edgar Wright with Wes Anderson in the way yeah, he can like make ways. perfect symmetrical sh- shots sometimes, uh, but with a lot of like motion around everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then also like he, the way he incorporates music into his movies, I think it's always like, there's always like another sound in the background or something like in conjunction with it. And this happens all the time in this movie. Um, and also I think I, another thing that I really like about Edgar Wright is that I think there's lots of little Easter eggs here and there that like foreshadow something else that's about to happen or has some symbolism. I'm not really sure what it all is in here, uh, but I do know he has it. Like, for example, one of the rules of the house that Ellie's living in with Sandy is that she can't have, any men come up after 8 p.m. And the reason why she says that is because later there's a flashback where Sandy uh, is told by, um, what's his face, Matt Smith. Jack. That, Jack, Jack, right? That yeah. he's going to show up at 8 p.m. And I thought that was really, mm. like, in fact, maybe that should have tipped us off a little bit. Something about 8 p.m. is really striking to her, and that's why she has this rule. And There's stuff like that everywhere, I think, and why I think this deserves another viewing, too. Yeah, um, and that I find that's like classic Edgar Wright. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. There's there's a whole lot of um, a lot of that stuff. I feel like the things that I've grown to consider are sort of hallmarks of him are the idea of a man child or a child needing to become a man while still retaining <laughs> some of the childishness that made him happy, but also mm. accepting his uh his his place in the world and this is not about that at all um which is which is interesting right like well like i I, are any of his movies i mean none of his movies are about girls until now um but like this isn't i i don't know i thought that that was that was interesting um clearly like he's making a choice and a departure uh but yeah and, yeah. and like he does that in a way where it's like it's funny. Like he's got like the quick cuts, like the coffee pours or the beer pours. Like you know, you go oh, one yeah. bar, beers, two bars, beers. You know, like this didn't have any of those quick cuts. That sort of thing. That's true. Yeah, it had a, a lot of more flowy, more dreamlike yeah. shots. It was beautiful. Um, oh it was, yeah, it, it was precise in a way that Edgar Wright's precise, but not not quick cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, everything was super precise throughout. And also, like, uh, you know, you're pointing out the fact that there's usually, like, a man-child. Well, here we have, like, a woman-child. She's a child yeah. trying to grow up in, in the big city. So that theme, applied to, it's just applied to a woman now. And I really like... That's like, interesting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's still primarily about her growing up, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not food. <laughs> yeah it's it's not funny well that's amazing because it i guess this kind of ties to another question i have which is like Edgar wright's movies are always about how the main character does grow up through a crisis and it's usually funny with the cornetto trilogy it's funny with um oh yeah what's it called it's funny and uh scott pilgrim or, yeah scott pilgrim baby. it's funny but baby driver isn't exactly funny it's stylized which is fun it's yeah. kind of just pure fun, but it's yeah. through, through like he has to defeat, you know, John Hamm 
uh, finally, like yeah. the cool dude, right? Yeah. Yeah, like she... It's funny, her, her quest isn't to, to defeat the bad boss, even though there is a big bad boss at the end. Uh, the way she defeats her is by, by a hug. And I thought that was... Her growing up as, as a different kind of animal than all of his characters prior. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's still that idea of the big final confrontation at the end uh, that yeah. retains itself here. And also, I just realized that... Um, that uh, in Baby Driver, there is the, the girlfriend. What's her name? Um, Played by Lily James. Yeah, I um, don't remember her name. She's also kind of unrealistically good. Kind of like the boyfriend in this one. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's another yeah. incorrect trope. Yeah, maybe it is. Like, Well, I guess all, in all of them, aren't, aren't there girls? Yeah, like at the very least, like the significant other is, that's interesting is kind of an angelic and no one knows why they're involved with the, with, with the main character. Yeah. I guess in, in Shaun of the dead, they kind of point that out frequently. In fact, that's a plot point. Like, yeah. Why is she with him? And then she dumps him. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. She's not quite angelic, but you do like, you you do root for her. Like she is a genuinely good person. And you're like, yes, you should break up with Shaun. Yes, Absolutely. (laughs) In Hot Fuzz and At World's End, I don't think there is yeah. a love interest in either of those, from what I remember. I, I haven't seen Hot Fuzz in just years. I need to go back and see that. That's just um, a funny cop movie. Ah, oh, it's so great. So good. But yeah, that's that's interesting. Um that's interesting about like the the growing up too, and like what is it that um I guess like so I guess I guess I have this idea like there's movies that are that are stories and that's it. They're just they just want to tell you a story. And then they're like, there's mm-hmm. the, there's movies that want that have a message. So like I want to hit you over the head with with what I think is true. Yeah. Um, and there's movies that do both. And those are those are some of my favorite movies. I like this. I like the stories and like the stories with a message. And I don't really mm-hmm. like the ones that want to beat me over the head with a message. Um, and I guess I wonder, like, like, is this a, sto- a movie with a message? And are all of Edgar Wright's movies story movies with a message um, as well? And, and if so, what is that message? I, I know it has something to do with growing up, like consistently, yeah. as we just pointed out. So there, there's that. But like, as far as like, there's a lot of different things going on in this particular movie, though, with, you know, men are mostly terrible and want to use and abuse women. Oh, uh, and yeah. The thing, with like toxic think... masculinity and and yeah yeah um you know and of course he's made lots of movies where men are not quite that but even so they're pretty toxic <laughs> they're not shot they're in not the dead. positive you might call them drains on society <laughs> yeah a little bit a little bit <laughs> yeah um so i think that's definitely a theme here also something about mental illness i don't quite know what it is other than it's present and she's not working on it. I'm not even sure if it's really making a statement about mental illness other than. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's I, it's like, yeah, well, it's weird because I'm trying to figure out, like, what is it that causes her to, to grow up? Or if this is a story about how she needs to grow up and she does, like she goes from being like terrified and afraid in the big city to being like, she's the best designer there. Like she's doing a great job. People love her clothes. 
they're beautiful i i guess um i don't know but uh but like she like what caused it was encountering so it's the story of encountering uh anya taylor joy encountering sandy's story in the past and then like it's almost the setup for the movie is like with the taxi driver when he's like he's being pretty Mm -hmm. gross he's like well with those legs honey you could do anything yeah it's pretty pretty uncomfortable it's almost like the fear of the men in this in the city yeah what's and like their power over her but it's broken i'm working this out in real time it's like it's broken by when the house is on fire and the men are like keeping her from getting to the phone and they say help us uh and did you laugh when they said that i laughed I oh no I did not <laughs> like I, I was, oh yeah I was genuinely confused I was like are they saying help us like, yeah it's crazy and also yeah. like they they the way they said it was kind of sad so I just felt sad it's like you have died doing shitty things and here you are asking for help and you you don't deserve it yeah, and that's I, I, sad and pathetic and yeah. So I didn't, yeah. I can see why you would say that's funny. It's because like, it's so clear that the monsters do not deserve the help. Yeah. that's yeah. Well, I mean, I was also like surprised and weird. And then like, as I thought about it and it sort of like hit me in ways, I was like, that's, that's ridiculous. Like, yeah. like asking for help. You've been terrorizing this woman and you're asking her for help. It's um, almost like they're still using and abusing women when they're dead. Yeah, it's like I just need a little bit of help. Yeah, here. they just um, yeah, they just want to use her now for some for something else, collectively. Yeah, um, and it's not to have sex with her; it's to exact revenge on the person that killed them. Yeah. Oh, but as as far as like um, yeah, so all that's happening, and there's a fire and stuff. But I think uh, Ellie's kind of like character arc kind of comes in two waves. Uh, firstly, she's just not comfortable with how she fits in with everybody. And so I think the reason why she's initially drawn to Sandy is, and constantly wants to go back to Soho is because she's a confident woman who just knows she can get what she wants if she goes and applies herself. And she starts, to, Ellie starts doing that. Um, yeah. So like that confidence crisis, that, that small girl bundled in a, in a comforter on the couch while there's a party raging around because her roommate's having sex in her room, uh, that, that girl's gone. She's seized her life, and she is going to do... And she, just, she doesn't really care what those girls really think about her. And as she starts escalating that, uh, becoming more of that, she start, um, there only really remains one problem with her character, I think, which is her naivety. Uh, she's she just doesn't understand things or people or, you know, I also just, it just really occurred to me that if you need to make money, I, I get that you need to go take a job, but maybe don't be a bartender. If you <laughs> don't have experience with people. Yeah. Um, I, that just struck me as like a, a weird idea. Like there's, she's just not very careful. Um, and I yeah. would definitely want my daughter to not be this naive and, through through Sandy's horrific experiences, she realizes she can't really trust anybody. And then there's a further growth where she finally figures out that there are some people she can trust. There are good people in the world. Yeah. Um, so she doesn't like 
just throw out the baby with the bathwater, she manages to hang on to the childishness that makes her simply good and grow from her naivety and um, and her like in, inward like kind of cowardice, kind of not seizing the world um, and realizes she has greatness within her. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, like there's something about, I, I agree completely. That's, I think that's okay. a great summation. And I, I think that there's also something about like the fear of men too, mm-hmm. because I think that, that I do think that that scene when they're all grabbing her with hands, it's very troubling and it's terrifying. And mm-hmm. then they say, help us. And you say, are you kidding me? Like help <laughs> yeah. you? You're bad people. Like, like yeah. first of all, you're terrifying. And then second of all, you're bad people. And then when uh, Sandy opens the door, you know, uh, the old lady opens the door, mm-hmm. they all become real and their faces materialize. And one of the guys is this small fat dude who looks like Danny DeVito. And he's just like, he's cowering like Peter Pettigrew in like the freaking, um, the, the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. 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 Like he looks, he's pathetic and small and hilarious and they all are. It does this weird thing where you're like, you're laughing at them and then it like flips back and there's Matt Smith and he's like pointing yeah. and he's evil and he's horrible and it keeps cutting back and it's like, it's serious and it's funny and it's horrible all at the same time. Yeah. And I think it's, it's sort of this growth of like, men are not something to like, like almost, I, I don't know if it's trying to say this but it's sort of this growth of like men are not something to be afraid of i don't i think that that's a little reductive or something um but at least these these people like don't be naive about them obviously but also don't fear them because you can destroy them so easily because they are so afraid or something like that i don't know is that does that make sense yeah can can you see something in there that that sounds like truth (laughs) <laughs> I, I believe so. Well, I think it's just showing, like, when you say toxic masculinity, what you're, I think what, I mean, there's lots of different ways to say that, but I think what we usually mean by that is, like, there are, like, manly men who, when push comes to shove, just turn out to be utterly fragile. And these are all men that act like that. They act like, you know, um, they're the, the tough guys who go out and sleep with any woman they want, but when in all reality, they're clutching at this girl be- and cowering from this other woman who who killed them. Yeah, um, who like saw through their. Yeah, I mean they they weren't even like sleeping with any woman they wanted. Yeah, they were paying for sex. Like she's That's a prostitute. Right. You're right. And Matt Smith is a pimp. Yeah, um, they're utterly pathetic. Yeah, um, yeah. And but that utter you know patheticness is still a little scary. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it does a good job of balancing those two things and pointing to that truth um, of like men can be terrifying and they're also kind of, you know, washed up, kind of pathetic. Well, and I also, it also feels like, too, you know, when she's running, trying to run away from the, um, trying to run away from Matt Smith in the dressing room. There's mm-hmm. all of these women who are being abused and sort of like you see the other woman helping the girl put on like shoot the heroin. And like you see mm-hmm. and you're like, none of these people are helping each other. Um, and 
I feel like um, that finals, you know, I, I feel like this is in some ways about that. You know, you've got the, I mean, what's her name? The uh, the roommate. She is enabling the toxic masculinity of any any man that she meets. And, and by that I mean, like, she's enabling them to be bad people. And she's just tearing down uh, Ellie every chance that she can because she sees it as this competition. And like, like even when Ellie's talking about how like her mom committed suicide and this is a big doubter and she like tries to one up it. Like this is, My this is committed suicide. Like, nope, nope. Totally different. And then yeah. everybody's like, so brave. Yeah. So brave. And it's like this, like, I didn't tell you that because I wanted you to say I was brave. I wanted to tell you that because I wanted to share who I was. Like that's a normal right. thing to do. Yeah. Um, and all throughout, you've kind of got these contrasts of, of women who are attacking each other in that final scene. The house is burning down, and um, and uh, the person who he found out is Sandy is attacking um, the only other like girl, you know, there. And what finally saves them, and, and like I think it's it's telling too, like this is the old sort of uh, the, like like from from back in the day or whatever. Uh, the thing that saves them is by working together, that hug, that acknowledgement right. of the suffering and the, um, and not judging her for it in a certain way, not judging her for the fact that she was a prostitute and not judging mm-hmm. her for the fact that she killed the guys, which like, I feel like that's an out, al- like there is, that is an allegory that this movie is making. Um, but then when it comes down to the nitty gritty details, it's like, well, I, these men are horrible. And she is also a serial killer. Like those are two (laughs) true things. Like these men deserve to die. However, she is a serial killer. Like that's, I don't know. Um, That's where my biggest like question about that scene comes in. Cause it's like, it's kind of this beautiful thing. And I don't Mm -hmm. know. It's, it's something that no, we've heard about before, especially with like Harvey Weinstein and that sort of thing. Right. Where the issue is like, Hey, you know, you've got to, women need to help each other, not bring each other down. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not a woman. I think that that's true in every walk of life. You need to help each other, not bring each other down. That's how we grow. Yeah. But, um, but it seems like this is walking along those allegorical lines. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You need, you need good people basically like Ellie who don't um, who raise other people up. Um, through understanding because sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes it just takes to, some understanding and also realizing that the person that understands you isn't quite living the shitty life that you, that you decided to live. And maybe there's something better for you. And in that last moment, I think she proves that she is a better person. She does not kill Sandy. She, even though Sandy's trying to kill her, which is something Sandy would have done. She's better than Sandy instead just stops her from killing herself. Which is also like a redemptive arc, probably has something to do with her mom, right? Like she wasn't able to stop her mom from killing herself, but she stopped Sandy. Yeah. Um, which is yeah. also. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Because like yeah. her mom's always in the background. Uh, not like literally, but like sometimes she's literally in a mirror looking at her and her mom is haunting her. I don't really know what that's all about, but I know stopping Sandy from committing suicide was part of that arc. And I'd like to explore that more. Unfortunately, I think we're too deep into this one to keep going on about that. Yeah. And it probably deserves yeah. a second watch to really talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, it does. This was great. I'm excited. I, my, 
I don't think my rating changes. Does yours? I'm I'm a, I'm sticking at four. Uh, yeah the the weird inconsistencies really bug me still. So I'll keep it at four. <laughs> but I I like those inconsistencies. I think that that makes it good. Like if it was too delineated, I'd be like, ah, this isn't this is too much. It's not playing with like the I don't know the weirdness enough, the dreamy quality. Yeah. I see what you're saying, but it makes me think I missed something in the movie. So I just want to go back and make sure I, I'm understanding everything that's happening because I think there's a lot of layers here. Uh, we didn't talk about the mental health aspect enough. Yeah. But I know it's a point in this movie. I'm not really sure what it's saying, but it's there. Yeah, and I'd like to uh, I'd like to figure out exactly what Edgar Wright is saying because I think he is saying something. I think I think things are consistent, actually. I just I have no proof for that, and that bugs me. Um, mm, yeah, and it bugs me when it's not like really clear. But again, that could be a fault on me. So I've got a, I've got it at four stars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, same as you. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. Well, Jesse, um, is this a dad movie? I mean, this is. I, I do love Edgar Wright. I enjoy this kind of horror movie that actually seems like it's trying to take you on like a crazy journey has some things to say, even though I don't know what they all are, what it's all saying. Uh, I think it's, it's good to show to, to your daughter when they're 18, you know, I'll update everybody about that when that happens in like 13 years or whatever. Um, it's not that far away. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm going to say this is a dad movie. I think it's good enough that I want my kids to associate it with me, and I will definitely be watching this on my own to try to figure out more stuff about this movie. Yeah. How about you, Mike? I think it is. Yeah, I think for the same reasons. I think, you know, this is... I, it's fun and it's troubling in a way that isn't very usual. Like, you don't see stuff like this that often. I don't think it's, like, hardcore scary. It's kind of like in the education. I, I feel like it's it's on that educational path um, of mm -hmm. like, hey, like let's get you into I don't know good movies, um, yeah, and also into like a hey, like let's talk a little bit about the world that you're entering um, yeah. as an adult for the first time as well. Let's 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 get into that. Um, I yeah yeah I I. Uh, I felt the same as you. Like I saw so much of my daughters in, in Ellie and it's just like, <laughs> man, this is, this is both beautiful and also, you know, I don't know, scary. Oh, really scary. It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. The imagine, like imagine sending your kid off to go to school in, in London. Like, uh, I mean, the thing like, is, I know my kids are going to encounter guys like this as they grow older. Uh, yeah. Like it's a fact. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not even a, a question. And that's this movie is that reminder, and that's important for me as a dad, and it's going to be an important tool for for my daughters too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And Vito, is this a dad movie to you? I don't know if we should keep that because. Uh well, yeah, I don't know. I guess we're asking him, even though he's not here, because he pre-recorded something. So Vito, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Vito, you can you can splice your your thoughts in there. Yeah, I think it's a dad movie uh, because I'm. I, I think it's about the perils of of having daughters, sending them out into the world, trying to figure out what to do, 
Um, I think it's a dad movie because it's something, it's a genre that I really love. And I think it's a dad movie because uh, Edgar Wright implied dad movie. <laughs> That's just a new rule. I'm going to stay here. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So it's a three-way dad movie. It's a three-way dad movie. You know, should, should we ask him something else? Like, uh, what's a movie that he hates? Um, uh, I don't know. Every movie I've ever seen just went out of my head. Um, Fido, is Limbo a dad movie? <laughs> <laughs> Insert answer there. Uh, no, Limbo is not a dad movie by any metric or standard that you would choose to apply to it. Uh, absolutely not. Um, thank you for asking, though. <laughs> <laughs> all right. With that, from all of us at Not Your Father's Movies, I'm Mike. And I'm Jesse. Have a good night, even though we recorded this in the <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> nice.